You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Pelle, the CEO at Tideblock. The fantastic entrepreneurs we have going from, let's say, 1 to 20, 30, 40 employees, they need help to go from 40 to 100, 100 to 200. And the faster you can make them realize that, the company can grow. Welcome back to a new episode of this podcast. I hope you are well. Really happy that you're tuning in yet another time to hear from some of the best SaaS companies out there. Yes, this is really exciting. And in this episode, we have another member from our CEO network coming in and sharing a little bit his story in a transition phase. It's going to be rather interesting to hear how that went about. It is. And I think one thing that is fun about being in contact with so many SaaS leaders is that, you know, every story is different. Some has been a founder from the get-go and they are still running the company even if they are like at 40, 50 million euros. We had some interviews with Johnny at Mentimeter or Eric at Quinix and Hugo at Cognity that, that sort of have done that journey. Uh, we have other examples where the CEO stepped down, the founder and CEO stepped down. And this time we're going to talk about, you know, when the founders stepped down, there was a CEO coming in and the whole transition that, you know, happened there. So um, tune in. Here we go. Today, we're going to speak with Pelle, the CEO at Timelog. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to have you here, Pelle. We're, we're, we're pleased to have another opportunity to chat with you. We know you very well from our CEO network. But there's probably some people uh, of our listeners, if you don't know who Pelle is, why don't you give them a chance? Who is Pelle? Definitely. I'm a 53-year-old guy full with energy, uh, actually coming more from the corporate world, the big world, than... Uh, four years ago, I decided to go into more like scale of startup, and uh, it has been a happy life since then. Right. Married, four kids, love what I'm doing. So you, you're, you've entered the blessed world. Like you're probably thinking now, like, why did I spend all these years in big corporate when I could have done this all my life? Or uh, No doubt about <laughs> that. Uh, but I must also say that getting a happy 20 years in a, in a Swedish Ericsson with a fantastic education and culture and and uh, respect for people uh, have given me a lot of skills that I have brought into this SaaS world, uh, I really believe, in the form of my leadership as well. Okay, interesting. Yeah, uh, haven't been in those kind of companies, but, but uh, I have understood that there is a lot of good learnings having been a part of such an organization as well. So, but why don't you tell us a little bit about Timelog? What do you guys do? Yeah, what do Timelog do? In all honesty, we produce a, a software. It is named a professional services automation suite or software. And that is supporting the uh, business processes of knowledge-based companies, such as uh, IT consultants, architects, engineers, management consultants, etc. That's the kind of software that we deliver. And the software itself can handle everything from invoicing, project management, resource planning, time registration, etc., etc., simply 
follow and support and drive the processes of a knowledge-based company. Okay, so it's more than just logging time then? <laughs> oh yeah, it's a lot more than that. It's about adding value. And honestly, personally, I believe that the value comes when you can bring back the conclusions of the data. That's actually, okay. I don't think there's anyone loving time registration, not even me, but it's a necessity to run a business based on knowledge, but bring back the value of that through all the other processes. That's what this is about. Right. And you mentioned a little bit the type of businesses you guys go after and you help out here. But is there a particular type of knowledge workers or size of businesses that you go after that is a better fit for you guys? Oh, yeah. You can say we go for, uh, we have a main focus on four industries, architects, engineers, uh, IT consultants, and management consultants. Not that we also have digital agencies and stuff, but those are the four focus areas. We go mainly up to uh, up to 250 users, you would say, from uh, maybe not the smallest one, you could say from 20 to 250 users. That's the segment. We prefer multinational, uh, multi-legal entities because the system can handle that. So, and we see even for a 20 persons company today, they are often distributed. In, in, in several legal entities or external, internal and stuff like that. So a bit complicated a setup that we make simple. Awesome. That's what we like to do. All right. And to put things in perspective and understand a little bit uh, the size of your operation, if, if we take some numbers and maybe start with your ARR and growth rate. So what does that look like? Yeah. You can say that the AR after second quarter here is around 55 million Danish crowns uh, in ARR. And Kaga, let me say it differently, we have since we started with Viking 1st of January 2021 until the second quarter, it's a 77% growth we have done over the last 18, 20 months. And, and Viking is your... Uh, Viking is our main owner, which I will come back to. That was the injection uh, that we, we, we signed in November 20. But let me come back to the topic of, of today's theme. Yeah, we'll do that. Uh, so, uh, and looking at the uh, number of customers, employees, markets, what can you tell us about that? Let me say a bit of that. We have around 1,200 customers, which are uh, in, uh, distributed in 12 countries where you could say the main countries we are in uh, are Denmark, Sweden, and Germany, but we have customers in 12 countries, but we have users in 90 countries. Okay. And that's, a, you know, because headquarters might be in Germany, but they are distributed all to New Zealand, US, etc., China. So in that sense, uh, more or less half, half the planet's countries we have users in. Eh? But main markets, Denmark, Sweden, and Germany going further south, but hopefully global where if if we if we meet our own expectations eh? all right so is austria the next country to to move into when you say going further south uh, no yeah yeah you would say duck as a, yeah uh, austria and switzerland germany yeah the region eh? and and then uh, benelux we are looking into but honestly we we are testing it through what we we have a uh, we are doing some tests before we we never establish us in a country like physically we do a lot of tests and then we, from the existing offices we have, that's how we try and, and test a new market and see if we can get, you know, a footprint there. And then we also, half of our growth should come from M&A, either merger or acquisition, and half of it should come from organic growth. That's the strategy we have. All right. And what can you say about 
how you are funding this operation. How much fund has been raised so far? And do you have a stake in the company? And if so, how much? Yeah. Let me say it like this. Uh, our, our main owner now, Viking, is not so... Uh, we don't talk so much about how much fund that has been raised. Okay. Uh, what we do talk about is we do talk about they raise money okay. when we need them. Yeah. That's actually uh, great parents to have. So <laughs> since half of the strategy is about mergers and acquisition, we, we work together with them on it. And when we need money, then we call money. Okay. Uh, in, in a, and that's actually what, what Viking handles. So you could say Viking today owns around 60%. And then we have the three old uh, owners uh, owning uh, close to 10% each. And I have 5% myself. Okay. Yeah. Good. And then we have stock, uh, employee stocks, uh, half of the company uh, employees own stocks in the company, which is great. All right. So I hope my kids doesn't listen to this episode and get an, <laughs> any ideas of, of be able to get money when they want to, <laughs> you know, land and expand. All right. But Thomas, what if it's a great idea, though? What if one of the girls has a great idea? Yeah, I'll send them to Viking and, and they can probably, you know, take care of it. But let me say, Thomas, that there is a quite, how can I say, a tough process you have to follow with some investment cases before they say yes and, and, and ask their investors behind them. That makes a lot of sense. And that actually brings us to the main theme or topic, if you like, of the day. We're going to talk a little bit about how TimeLog went from being like an owner-led business to a VC-led business. And that's that's a little bit when your journey also started with this business. Yeah. Why don't you take us from the beginning here? Like, why was this transition even at all initiated? Yeah. The, the owner, main owners at that time were actually trying to I had a liquidity event, you could say, uh, one year before I arrived. And, and there they discovered that the way they handled the company was not really, you could say, according to the normal ways of running a SaaS company. I, they didn't have the right KPIs. They didn't drive it through, through the right metrics. But they learned that in a, in a due diligence, which did not go with a happy ending. Uh, so somehow it somehow it triggered the, the owners and say, especially Sean Lund, the founder, he also said, I might be the biggest obstacles for the next growth phase if I continue. So we need to get a, a, a professional board and then we need to get a professional CEO coming from the outside. First thing was that he got a new chairman then and said, we need to do something about this. And then the Sean Lund also accepted the founder and said, I need to step down and find that guy. And by coincidence, Sean and I met, long story short, and, and we ended up and saying, should we try this? And, and I, of course, went to my coach and also a second coach and said, uh, and all of them said, no way you're going to do this. <laughs> so what happened, what happened was that then I entered the company and we start working together. And the way I entered the company was uh, that uh, I entered like a consultant. This, you know, and I did some time to registration, of course. No, <laughs> what I did there was I interviewed all 40 persons in the company where they were standing as the excuse of a consultant, external consultant. Ah. While Sean Lund, the CEO, we tried each other out. And I, I'm talking about numerous talks about the feeling that he should step down, I should step in. Right. And then I talked to Christopher and Sasha, the two other main owners, 
and uh, they also accept uh, it's time to do it now and and then luckily enough the key point here was the professional board because the chairman said if we're going to do this i will handle the three of you when it comes to salary talks and all the other things i will make a frame for that for the next two three years so you it's not going to be palace concerned to be squeezed between you as owners and everyday life and you have to accept this right that's a smart setup yeah and and we did it openly in a board talk putting the salaries of the four of us and put everything in place settle it for the next i think it was 24 months that 24 36 months so that was cleared out then we announced that i became the ceo and uh, and then we announced the new roles for them and then we also have to say honestly we went from some more relaxing atmosphere to a more performing oriented atmosphere right which at that point caused that may- maybe 20 25% left by themselves or were asked to leave and the actually good point with that was that when that was done a lot of the other persons came and said if you haven't done that i would have left yeah and that was the good people so if you haven't made that change you would have lost your brain power anyhow right because it was there was not a growth enough there was not enough vision in the company then we did that start had an excellent um, was it 19 it had a very good year there and there was no idea about bringing in an investor right but the who knocked the door viking venture knocked the door was there 20 minutes and we said no we are not interested please leave then they called us again early 20 corona times over teams and at that time Sean Lund said now i realize that if if this company should grow we need an investment and and i think like we have talked about you if you are an owner you always think about your money eh? you think about your money you, you don't want to recruit five persons unless you already have the money but if i don't have the person then i cannot grow right so there was a mentality that we need to earn the money before we hire an, an, the next developer the next person the next marketeer but during that first year where we grew a lot the man, the, the 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 old owners realized and the board say hey either it will take us 20 years more or we bring in an investor to speed up this and then i think viking called exactly at the right time and said hey guys we don't need to own the majority right we just want to give in we get some buy some stocks and give you some money on top so you can accelerate this right and then the at that time the, one of the biggest owner Ole person he decided to leave he owned 30% of the stocks he sold them Sean Lund the former CEO said i sell x percent of my shares and then that was what happened honestly so i think viking came in with 44% in total something like that but then we bought a company where they collected money again so right now today they have 60% of the company right so they got the majority in the end yeah 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 no doubt about that and they were i have to say when we when we did the due diligence it one of the best due diligence i have been i have tried it to be a buyer before never trying to be bought like that because the way viking venture structure the due diligence is that you create a commercial plan together first up to, up to three to five years so we actually discussed what do we want us to do right and they said no no we want the growth to be 50 organic 50 percent m a and we said okay we have never bought a company 
with this. No, no, but we'll help you with the first one. And then you find an M&A officer, with, which actually became Sean Lund, who was the former CEO and co-founder. Right. And they said, that's how we're going to go. And, and we convinced them that PSA was the, the way to go. Yeah. Let, let's dig into that a little bit. So there was one way of running the business pre-investment. Oh, yeah. What were the big changes to the business post-investment, post that initial external investment? What can you tell us about that? That was very clear. The post-investment was suddenly you got a set of KPIs, LTV over CAC. You got the MRR, the AR. You got all the 21 KPIs you run a SaaS company on. And you got them in cooperation because Viking owns 16 other companies. So suddenly you each month were told, this is how you perform, this is where you are. Right. And when, when, when you realize that and you realize what is important for an owner and the market, then you just needs to adapt because that's what business is about. So coming from a maybe more relaxed, safe world, you got into a very exciting world because the, what, with these KPIs and way of measuring the business, there was also money coming along. Right. And was, was this also one of, one of the reasons why 25% of the workforce felt like, I don't want to hang around here anymore because they couldn't, they couldn't align with this performance culture anymore? Yes, that, that was definitely a change from, from uh, relaxing. I was a bit surprised because we could have had a terrible month and people were just happy, you know, before. And said, hey, yeah, it's okay. But when you got over and you saw the results after and you, and, and you are a bit competitive, right? you also want to win over the others, then you realize that uh, this is not good enough, at least that's the way I am. And that was why I was recruited, to bring speed, to bring growth. Right. And that was where people said, I have not chosen to be part of such a growth engine. And then I said, well, th then it is time for you to leave. And then, of course, we helped them get other uh, jobs. But, but, but there was a necessary change out no doubt about that otherwise we couldn't grow couldn't get the right culture behind the new way of looking at performance get dashboards up on the screens but it was also a new way of transparency every month or every week you tell them about ar growth incoming box uh, ltv CAC. you tell them openly and honestly right this is this is what we but there's a there's a, there's a lot of education guys when you, we went from four, 38 persons to 100 well, in, 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 in uh, these uh, 16, 16 months, it was a long, we started recruiting, of course, a talent recruiting. That was the first thing we did. Right. And then we, we put in a machine like crazy. And when you get from a very stable environment, bring in such a lot of energetic new people, you get that reaction among the old ones. And of course, you try to bring them along. But at a certain point, as a, we always say like this, we recruit for attitude, we train for competence. But you have to do the same for all your existing employees. Because one year after you are changed, you realize you are a completely different company. But my biggest role based, one of my biggest tasks based on feedback from the old employees when we accepted Viking as our, our new main owner, that was actually, you have to safeguard our DNA, which I honestly think we have. We have some values because listen, understand, and contribute. 
and in that order we listen, we understand, and then we contribute. We don't say yes, we challenge our customers. We want them to be better, we want them to win as we want ourselves. Mm. But they realize you have to do that with high performance. Right. So I think you also have to assess your, your old employees and, and now, now eight, 20 months down the road, the values are for discussion because now we are a completely new company. Yeah, and if you see on this transition, how would you say that your role changed, the role of the owners and the role of the staff? Can you, can you talk about that dynamic a little bit? What, what became different? It was, first of all, very clear when you get a VC in that you get a very professional board. Yeah. There's a yearly cycle. Here we do, so here we do security. Here we do GDPR. Here we do commercial. Here we do technical. Here we do risk management. So you you get you get really, and you get used to this reporting. When the leaders see that the leadership team I have, where the old owners are, they realize, oh oh, we we have to get up there. So a lot of talk about how can you balance the DNA of the original company and moving it into that because I refused that it was an all game. It was an end game. Let's keep the DNA because that was why I accepted to be a CEO in TimeLog because it's a, they have, we have great people. And when we get, got into the call, we had a lot of great people who want to win. But they have never been allowed when, you know, when they said, I need two more developers. The answer was, you have to earn some money first, then we recruit the developers. And and that didn't go fast enough, but suddenly when we had Viking Venture and we could recruit, they saw the response coming in. So once that I could convince them about, if you can come with the business case, if you can convince me why we need three more marketeers, three more developers, two more UXers, then we will do it. Mm. And then we did it. And then I can tell you, it got a bit of a shock in the company. <laughs> I said, wow, well, are, are we going to recruit 18 people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the business case we have made. And then we did it. So it got a bit, uh, it, it was a fantastic feeling also. Three ways to fail in sales. Brought to you by memory. One, clog your pipeline. The fuller it is, the fuller you'll feel. Tip two, never use a plan. Predictability, that's eh, just boring. Three, forget the CRM. Probably sucks anyway. If you're ready to take control of your sales and make how you sell your competitive advantage, try Membrane for free today at Membrane.com. So what are the roles of the, pre of the owners now in the organization? Yeah, you can say uh, Sean Lund is uh, running our M&A as a founder. He's doing a marvelous job because he understands other SaaS companies where the owner have been leading it maybe for a bit too long, <laughs> who want to get out. You are number, you understand that? And don't misunderstand this, but many founders feel trapped after some years. Yeah. Because they don't know, they might not have got the right education to lead it beyond, let's say, 30, 40 persons. But they, they cannot find a way to get out because they don't trust to put in a new CEO or a VC. So with Sean, who can really express how he felt and said, don't sell everything. At the same time, sell part of your shares. Bring them in as a majority. But they will guide you. And there I can say Viking has been a wonderful parent, a wonderful owner. We, we never vote in the board. We argue, sorry, my word, like hell. <laughs> and we discuss. And then we find a common decision which we believe is best. All right. 
and uh, and then you also must accept when Viking owns 17 other, sorry, 16 other SaaS companies, they have some pretty good data behind them. Eh? They have some pretty good statistics. So so you need to be very, you cannot come with your pocket philosophy. Eh? As a, they, they know what works and, and do not work. Eh? Yeah. And what about the others? Yeah. Then you have Christopher who started out running product management. He is now in a special operations now where he, he is our senior solution architect and enhances the legacy. Uh, no leadership responsibility. He enjoys it. Like he's as a wow. You should see how you can become a teenager again. And Sasha has become the sales officer. Chief Sales, she has also gone from a from a more broad role like CEO to a really specified sales with completely new energy. Yeah, we had the privilege of, of interviewing her uh, just a while ago. So. Yeah, and, and, and the best thing, none of those three have used the owner card the last two years. Not a single day. And, and that is a little bit what I was going to dig into a little bit. And clearly, your... Coach number one and coach number two uh, advised you ag against taking this role because the three owners would hang around here. So, like, and and we've seen and we've heard about scenarios where, unfortunately, it hasn't worked out. Yeah. And I'm curious a little bit. You mentioned in the beginning here that you had this scenario where, or not a scenario, you had the concrete example of where the board said, I'm going to deal with these three folks regarding their salaries. But are, are there other rule sets that you guys have on a piece of paper or, or somehow like that manage the relationship and the dynamics to avoid a potential obstacle or conflict? You could say before Viking came in, it was literally the chairman of the board at that time who handled the framework for how those three should, should uh, do things. Like, uh, for instance, if I had problems with them or they have problems with me, uh, they can come to me as uh, as employees, but if they want me fired or anything, they have literally to go to the chairman and as owners and convince him. And if I want to fire them, that was also up in the air and said, if it doesn't work with those three, you have to tell them and you have to fire them. And and we discussed this openly before we signed that with uh, all the salaries, all the pragmatic things. That was the rule. But also when I was an independent consultant, nobody knew that the plan was I was going to be, I had, and I'm not, I'm not joking, I had so many talks where I said, can you imagine on the Friday AEM we are celebrating, it's me who is going to stand on the box, it's me who is going to celebrate the thing, and you are going to stand over in the corner, and like Søren and Christophe, and oh, it's, it's going to be tough. But, but we really played that role play in our heads and talked about it. And we also said you cannot use the owner card in daily. And, and there has only been one, two, three occasions. And then we dealt with it after, as after the meeting, not in front of the other leaders or anything. Then we took it after. Gotcha. But, uh, but, but, but I took an enormous risk and they took an enormous risk with me. But I also have to say more SaaS companies should do this because the fantastic entrepreneurs we have going from, let's say, 1 to 20, 30, 40 employees, they need help to go from 40 to 100, 100 to 200. Right. And the, and the faster you can make them realize that, the company can grow. Yeah. So, uh, just curious, did you keep your coaches or do you have new coaches now? <laughs> <laughs> they actually, they, no, but it's such a good question, Thomas, because, wow, they challenged me. 
And like you actually told me, Daniel, also we talked about, I was fed up with the corporate world and yes, I should have gone to this world before. But I think the coaches that, that, that said, you, 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 it's an unnecessary risk you take here. You can get jobs with bigger companies. I said, I don't want bigger. No, I have also taught them things, Thomas, now actually that you have to take some risk in life. And I, I told them I will spend 24 months here. So you, you are coaching them right now. I'm going from such a big company with such a role, living 13 years outside uh, Denmark, in, in, in Latin America, in Asia, and what I've tried. And believe me, I can use it in this job. When we have customers coming in, uh, you know, users from the Middle East, you have, we have users from US, I can use what I learned in the big ones. And I think some of these coaches, one of them is actually now in a smaller company also. Okay, there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, t you turn them around. One of them, one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I also love the fact, uh, like, we also live by that mantra, Pele, nobody remembers a coward. <laughs> okay. And, and I also wanted to ask you, um, I think what we're a little bit curious about as well is that, you know, you had a plan in how to make this transition and I appreciate that you guys were very open and transparent with each other, but you still had, you know, some folks naturally dropping out and so on. Yeah. How do you actually maintain efficiency, like through this transition? How is that achieved? Because there's a lot of things happening at the same time and changes. Yeah. And there I must say, there I learned from the corporate world. Because in, in the in the big corporate world, you always hunt for efficiency, also in terms of people. You might not have that luxury, you know, when you are a startup, and even when you get into a scale-up, you, you don't think about stopping up sometimes and say, well, now I'm a, now we have become if, if inefficient. And I discovered when we went all the way to 100, we, we simply realized we were becoming slower in some part of the customer journey. We were in, in the revenue operations. We were looking into that. I said, why are things going like that? So we took a decision in what we called right-sizing. Uh, and it's not more than a couple of weeks ago we did, uh, uh, you would call it a right-sizing of around 10 positions. Uh, and, and that was literally because uh, one thing was that we want, we are growing still a lot, but not as we expected, 100% maybe there is a, uh, we, we are a bit unsecure where the market is heading right now. But honestly, the exercise was not based on that. The exercise was based on, we, we, we were becoming somehow too many too fast without educating and training the ones we brought in fast enough. And suddenly I could see that we, we lost speed, and, and, and when you lose speed, remember, you don't just lose, you lose speed in the ones you just recruited. You recruited also in the existing ones because you, you take so many people in, so the speed for the overall base goes down because you have to train them. And if you then end up with somehow wrong, a bit, uh, how should I say, relaxed culture, not this sense of urgency, not the speed, not you go up in the morning, you want to win. So we actually took a bold talk, and that was where my corporate, at least when I talked to other SaaS companies within the Viking world, they were a bit hesitant to do such things. Now I can tell, I think there are three or four companies that have done it within the last two months. And when we conclude now, it's early days for us, we have got the effect we want. Okay. We have right size, and we are helping the one we are leaving to new jobs. And I would love to recruit them back in one year when we are growing more. But the sense of urgency is brought back. The efficiency is brought back. And I have just, again, said, even though you are only 90 persons, keep out, keep 
keep a focus on that efficiency. Maybe it's time to remove one there, remove one here, automate that, optimize that, not maybe because of the money itself, but because of the happiness among the people and the drive. Right. So don't be afraid of right-sizing when you grow that fast. Makes a lot of sense. That's really a recommendation I want to give to, to, to many growing companies. So thank you for, for those things around efficiency. And I would like to go back a little bit to uh, what we have talked about with only led to a VC-led business transition. I think you have shared a lot of great learnings here. But if we try to condense it down to the three best tips you have for, for people that are starting on that journey, what, what would you say? Yeah. I would say first thing is to make sure you have a board, a professional board, that is able to handle the owners when you start that process. That, that, that's, like a, that's like a must. It can be one chairman who is the whole difference. It was for my case. Two, you have to be extremely transparent with the existing owners if they want to stay on board. And there you have to be very, very detailed. Why are you staying on board? Is it because you don't trust me? Because you have to trust me. And you have to talk about all the dirty details and fix it so the frame is, is, uh, is, uh, is there in place so you don't have to deal with those things after you do it. And the third one, I think Daniel said a bit before, don't be a coward. Try it. <laughs> because the old, the old ones, I can tell you, they have a fantastic value for the company if they are used right. They have so much history that if you can turn that around, you can use it in the new setup. I think that's the three things. Don't be afraid of bringing them along, but have clear agreements, have a board that supports it, and try it out. Yeah, and I'm going to add a fourth here. Find a great CEO. <laughs> so I really found it very interesting to the, the work you put in before, you know, interviewing these 40 employees and all the talks you had with the founders and so on. So I think that will probably be a big inspiration for people that, you know, listen to this. Thomas, you're actually right. I, I got that in another. I said, you are right. If, if we haven't found each other and, and allowed us to be having those interviews and discussions, that, that it was actually there we found the mutual trust to say, let, let's try and do it. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Awesome. Awesome. This was fantastic, uh, Pele. And uh, I, I don't want you to, to have an inbox full of uh, requests here, but I'm sure that people that are considering to embarking on this journey, they can reach out to you and, and find a little bit more tips and tricks here. Uh, you know what happens next year? We have three quick ones for you here at the end. Uh, tell us a little bit, like, what is the future for your business? Future for our business is to go uh, expand Europe. We need to help uh, knowledge-based companies to get mature. There's so much more that we can learn from them. They can learn from us, but guide them and, and make sure that we, we need to triple our AR. That's the target we have. And we want to meet a liquidity when, within three to five years. So that's the future for the company. Yeah. Solve more pain points for our customers and, and be relevant. Eh? Right. So what am I looking for also right, right now? Yeah, I'm looking for... Managing through the challenging 12 months, I think, that's coming in Europe. But I think we are set up for that. And uh, I think that we have done a fantastic 18 months where we have learned to be a fast-growing SaaS company. Right. That I'm going to use right now to deliver better products, to deliver better things. Nice. That makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people are thinking about that, you know, getting ready for what's about 
to potentially happen in the next 12 months here. Very good. So tell us a little bit, who, who inspires you? Is there anybody you'd like us to invite on behalf of you to this show? I must honestly say, and this is truly coming from my heart. When, when I sit at your CEO roundtable, we have together at SARS Nordic, that inspires me a lot with people who have started, who have taken over, doing jobs like me. I come from the corporate world, and, and this should not sound arrogant, but through Ericsson, I have met a lot of the big guys. But I'd like to meet, if I may say, the small big guys, the ones that have done their 10-person, 20, 30, 40, 50 persons company, or 300. So my Viking Venture colleagues like Echo Online, uh, Marcel and the guys who went to the stock, those that are in, in the world where I am, that's the kind of people that inspires me. That's the kind I would like to see on the show. That's how relevant cases where I can see, because we have also discussed in Viking, you know, we always get best practices. Eh? Could we get the worst practices? Why not talk about the failures we do? Yeah, we will find the worst practices out there. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, Thomas, sometimes, you know, you get so shocked about all the things that best pra everybody thinks that everybody is doing great. That is not how the world is. Yeah. We are all fighting with our challenges and the problems. And sometimes you make incredibly big mistakes. And I can tell you, I would like to see some of some of the talk about those things. Think. Yeah, we would as well. We're gonna dig deep, and we're gonna find you know some some really <laughs> some really tragic cases. No. Yes. But uh, yeah, okay. Let's let's look for learnings. Uh, that that's what the political way of framing it. But uh, Pella, this has been great. Yeah. Uh, always uh, a pleasure talking to you, and thank you for sharing. And uh, yeah, see you in the next CEO meeting. Definitely. Thank you, guys. So Daniel, what was your main takeaways from from this episode? I love Pele and I love the Danes. They're so, uh, <laughs> and I mean this in the best possible way. No disrespect to any other nationalities, but the Danes are, in my opinion, what I've experienced, a little bit more sharp shooting, and they don't say it through the flower, so to say, like maybe we do in consensus Sweden that we are used to. Yeah, love it. Uh, so <laughs> this this was really useful. No, uh, I think this transition phase is is something that probably I wouldn't dare to make myself. Uh, and it was really interesting to hear how they raised these difficult questions, you know, between himself, the new board, and the founders, the original founders from the get-go. Yeah. Salaries, who fires who, if, if we're gonna go that. So they, they basically set the playing rules from the get-go. And if they couldn't agree there, there wasn't a future. But I, I liked how they took all the difficult questions to start with. Yeah, and that's actually on our to-do list. Yes. Uh, until the next board meeting to, to start that process. Who fires who? Who fires <laughs> who? We have a little bit of a problem there, but it's it's still good to talk through all the possible, you know, turnouts and the, uh, yeah, difficult or ugly situations that we could come in. So I, li I like that, you know, the starting point being, you know, with the d difficult stuff. What about you, Thomas? Well, uh, first, of course, um, don't always listen to your coaches. Um, <laughs> I think it's a good one, right? Now, I already said, said it in the episode. I mean, do your homework. Make sure that you, you don't just uh, take a job, take a big offer, or take your time to really get to know the organization before you go in as an external CEO and so on. I think the groundwork 
that Pelle did and also the work he did together with the founders on the board has sort of been the foundation of, of their success. So um, do your homework, it's all about people making sure that you get that right before you do the big changes. Yep. I think there's another element here, like, I 100% agree with Pelle when he says like, you know, the, the old founders or the original founders, I mean, they sit on a gold mine, a wealth of knowledge and so on. But he said something that really stood out, that is, if you are a founder and listening to this, you're going to go through this exercise. You probably also heard when, when Pele said, none of these three founders has ever pulled the founder or the ownership card. The last two years. Yeah. He said the last two years. Because I think if you, <laughs> if you do that, or once you start doing that, then this is doomed for failure. Yeah. So if you're going to do this transition, never pull your founder or, or, or your owner card. It's not going to work operationally. Super. So that's it for now. Uh, what do we have going moving forward? Well, uh, we are in um, a phase where we are also taking applications to the CEO network that were mentioned in this, uh, this uh, interview. So you can head over to sasnordic.com, go on the community CEO network and you can apply. And we also take application for our executive network that if you're a VP or a C-level person or heading sort of a, a department and you have more than 2 million euro in revenue, annual recurring revenue, of course, you can apply there as well. So looking forward to planning and setting up these um, network groups to uh, for 2013 as well. Yeah, and you got to do it uh, rather soon yeah. in order to be invited to the January kickoff. Yeah, we have a January kickoff that we plan for the CEO network at least so um looking forward to that secret destination it's a secret destination at least right now yeah until you sign up then it's not secret anymore yeah <laughs> <laughs> but anyway i appreciate that you listen and appreciate that uh, you want to be engaged with the sas nordic community and see you guys out there hope to talk to you soon bye bye now bye